We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies, but they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to transcendcompany.com slash THSP. That's transcendcompany.com slash THSP. Or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube. Fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today. Now back to the show. I'm still thinking about the guy. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It's not. It's not meant for this kind of show. It's, it's not. It's not wholesome at all. It's not. We are so wholesome. I mean, a couple phallic references every once in a while, but wholesome otherwise. We're, getting, we're trying to clean up the show, man. I mean, our last show had jokes about Sesame Street. I mean, that that's that's as wholesome as you get, right? Exactly. <sighs> Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. <sighs> we um. We missed you guys. Sitting next to me, as always, my partner in time, the one and only, Said Omar. Oh, thank you, man. Sitting next to me on my left is my partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And as is necessary, we must remind you that behind the ones and twos is the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Arun. Hi, everyone. A.K.A. Grover. Bam, 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 bam. No PTO this last week. No PTO this last week. Well, technically, you were traveling. And because we don't do two shows, it would have been PTO if it were not for the fact that we're doing less he shows. He's not jet setting anymore, though. He's this is like he's driving. Yeah, I think he just wants to feel like us normal people for a while. Us? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. That's our first class, Mister. That's not true. When was the last time you took a road trip, Chris? A road like in the vehicle driving? That's what that's what we're talking about. Ah, uh, and me driving myself? You driving yourself with the family? Yeah, I don't, I don't take you as a road trip kind of guy. No, I, it's because I'm not. <laughs> or he doesn't do road trips. He doesn't do camping. He doesn't. For Chris to do a road trip, he needs to get one of those like luxurious Sprinter vans. I yeah, thought about that. Um, okay, let, let let's just have an open conversation quickly. Okay, let's do it. There, there's. Hefe is not gonna like this. Hefe. <laughs> Your wife just started listening to the show. You ain't you ain't talking to me, bro. <laughs> you guys are actually kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> we are funny. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, we are slightly kind of maybe. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I um, I like working in consistency. I like having consistent sleep. I like having consistent structure. I know. Well done. Just consistency. Yeah, Just it's every show. I gotta have that. Gotta have the consistency. Can pop mid sentence. Uh, I like those things. Traveling is cool. I like traveling. I think a lot of it is romanticized. How many vacations or trips have you been on where you've got back and said, oh, man, I'm tired. I need a vacation again. Oh, yeah. Every, almost every single one. Right. Arun, today, when he was talking about his seven-hour drive up and his seven-hour drive back from the place he calls Sack. Okay, hold, hold on. This is a little bit different, man. That's 14 hours. He literally said, oh, my God, it was such a long drive. I was so tired. Bro, he went up bro, there. I didn't he, have fun up there. Bro, he went up there. He was up there for 24 <gasps> hours. No, 24 I did hours, not. Then he came back. That's not a vacation, bro. I'm just saying. Those are obligations. Okay. So I was forced. Bro. I wanted to go up hey, there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to change the narrative to help you help yourself. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. He yeah, doesn't get it. I get it. My wife listens. I don't think her sister does. Okay. Um, let's talk about finance. Let's do this. Because <laughs> that man back there ain't going to be here next week when he's dead. <laughs> right before coming in. Something happened. It's big. Uh, we're going to break it down in three separate articles that we happened to have already had, uh, two of which anyway, because we knew this New York community bank debacle was going to grow and be problematic. And in fact, it very much has. It is, it is in my mind, uh, a big fucking problem. We'll get into why, explain the history, and help you understand what you will undoubtedly be hearing in the news between today as we record this, the 6th of February. And by the time you listen to the show. And more importantly, Chris will take you behind the curtain a little bit to see all the things and hear about all the things that you don't know what's going on. Wow. Uh, what Saeed is colorfully trying to elaborate on is I'm going to be talking a lot of shit. <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you real and raw. 
the way you like it. Bradley Martin raw? No, that's clickbait raw. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm right. going to give it to you actually raw. Yeah. Like, I'm, not my, trying, I'm not trying to hate, though. I, I, I enjoy myself a little Bradley Martin from time to time. I do, too. It's just a little, little too much. Yeah, you I know. know from mean? time to time. Sometimes it's just it's, it's too much. And I'm not that, that demographic of age. Anymore, right? So sometimes yeah. you're like, anymore. Anymore. I'm saying you once were. No, I always have He maturity. hasn't been on the scene for that long. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, his stuff is just uh, it's lost <clears> on me. Okay. Arun? What do you want to say? I said nothing. You you want to say something? I can feel nope. it. Nope. I'm being polite. I'm not an asshole like you. Oh. You can't not insult me by <laughs> insulting me, just for the record. Okay? <laughs> wow. Then we'll go on to Jerome Powell and his um, clusterfuck. Uh, was it 60 Minutes interview that he did? Everybody had a hearty, and Jerome Powell decided to throw some cold water on the whole party. Yeah, Mr. Still Your Girl came to the party and took everybody's girl and went home. That's what he did. And now it's a party of dudes. Mr. Still Your Girl. That's a great name. Nobody wins. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, some dudes, but not most dudes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's weird. The weird elite. Time. Yeah, the elite. We're talking about credit card delinquencies. And uh, if there's time, we got some extra stuffs in the form of TikTok influencers. And uh, apparently they're going to make you rich. And... How much you can deposit at a bank, which, believe it or not, is a lot more complicated than you might think. Right. Let's jump right in to regional banks and specifically regional bank, New York Community Bank. They started off the week, this according to the Wall Street Journal, cutting their dividend and posting a loss. Okay, so real quick, what is a dividend for our listeners out there that don't know what a dividend is? So a stock that is publicly traded, Mm -hmm. right? That you can buy can return a portion of their profits to you, the stockholder, in the form of a dividend. This is usually paid out quarterly. Right. Okay. So on the quarter, they announce their earnings and they usually announce their dividend. So let's just hypothetically Q1, January, February, March, April, there's an earnings call. They typically announce the earnings call with their investor deck and everything else. Mm-hmm. And they also announce the dividend in and around that time. Right. That dividend is anybody who held the stock prior to that day. Or by the end of the quarter, generally speaking, right? You get paid out this return of profit. So the company is profitable; they return it back to you. Now, if the company is not profitable, in this case, they post a loss. They're making negative earnings per share, right? They can't pay a dividend on losses, or at least it's a really bad idea mm-hmm. because it's coming out of their capital to do so. So yeah, post uh, cutting your dividend is a, is a sign of the market that look, we've taken losses that are significant. We are not cash flow positive for the quarter, and we can't reasonably return this profit back to you, the shareholder, because we need it to operate our business, and there's no profit anyway. Right, and sometimes you'll get investors that invest in your company solely for the reason that oh, you've been paying out a dividend, you haven't missed on paying out this dividend for X amount of years, right? So cutting your dividend is a big shock to those investors that are like, wait a minute. The only reason why I invested in you guys was because of this dividend that you guys have been paying out for X amount of years. Look at Facebook. They just announced that they were releasing a dividend. What happened to their shares? Yeah, they spiked all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. They, right? went, they went to the moon. <laughs> so here's what uh, I'll tell you about dividends. Investors in particular. Large institutional investors, some of them, particularly in the banking sector, they will only stay invested in your stock if you pay a dividend. That's part of like their underlying prerequisite into investing in you. Hey, we love, to, we love your stock. We love to invest in you. We're only going to invest in you if you're paying a dividend. Right. That matters to them. They have a whole committee on this stuff. It's not mm-hmm. like it's just a simple decision for them. It's black and white. Okay. So they're going to have some investors that might have to sell out of their stock and say, hey, we can't hold your stock anymore. We might sell off, dropping the value even more. Even more. Is it, is it because that people want to diversify their portfolio to, by having some of their some of the stocks that they own be ones that provide a dividend? Well, diversification is one part. A lot of it is like if you're investing in like these community banks, and even though this is a $100 billion bank now, you're still relatively small compared to the globally systematic and you know, important banks, the GSIBs. Right. So you want to invest in something that gives you some type of return on a quarterly basis. Because if you're investing in it, you want some returns. And then you want the possible upside later on. A great example, everybody who invests in real estate, like you want the monthly cash flow, but you also want the equity appreciation over time. Right. That's really what you're banking on here. Haha, <laughs> banking on. When you invest in, in a stock like this and you ask, and you, you need a company that pays your dividends. You just want two different sources of income, if you will. Makes sense. And there are a lot of people who live solely off the income they make from dividends, mm-hmm. right? They have a very diversified portfolio, lots of money under management. You'll see a lot, bonds. Of those, a lot of those clickbait YouTube uh, videos are like, you know, live off of dividends, you know, and you can invest. But if you really do the math, a lot of money has to get invested 
and to really, I guess, provide a living for you, right? Lots. Uh, Arun, if you can pull the Wall Street Journal article to write a little bit, I want to read a little bit from the first couple of sentences or the first couple of paragraphs here. Uh, up a little higher. Perfect. All right. So the KBW Regional Banking Index fell 6% on Wednesday as a result of this. Now, the KBW is basically all the regional community banks in this small index. So the S&P 500 is the 500 best performers in the stock market. In the S&P, Standard & Poor's, like, I guess, collaborative thing. Right. And the 500 companies, the companies go in and out. But it's yeah. always going to be the top 500. Top 500 performers. And generally speaking, when you invest in, like, low-cost index funds like the S&P 500, you're betting on the performance of those top 500 companies, right? Well, the KBW is a similar index, but it just has regional community banks on it. Mm -hmm. The entire index dropped 6%. Wow. A big drop. And I knew right then and there, hold up, we have a fucking problem. And I'm going to explain why this should and could have been avoided. But wait, there's more. New York Community Bank stock, meanwhile, closed down some 38%. After announcing this, it's worst day ever in data going back to 1993 through yesterday's close. It had risen about 4% over the past 12 months. So it went up 4% in a year. Okay. Right. And they went down 38% in a single day. Right. And a big part of that had to do with, they, they posted a surprise loss of 260 million in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. They cut their dividend down from, I believe, 17 cents per share to five, or five cents per share. Correct. And remember, this is a bank that really positioned themselves as being very strong. They purchased Signature Bank not too long ago during that contagion period. So they purchased Signature Bank's assets. Yes. There was a bank uh, they acquired before that, Flagstar Bank. Yes. Single family. So they, they had gone uh, pretty hard at mergers and acquisitions. As a matter of fact, the last acquisition that they made, right? It is raining really hard outside. I can hear it. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's crazy. Wow. I wonder it's if very wonder romantic. If the mics are hands. <laughs> Room, put on a fire in the background. Fuck the podcast. <laughs> uh, so what's really interesting that they did the last thing they did in the last acquisition is they actually pivoted regulators to the OCC, the Office of the Comp Controller of the Currency. Right. That was interesting, and I, you could argue that they probably did it because their previous regulator would not allow them to to grow this fast. Okay. Okay, but they grew. From a smaller bank into a $100 billion bank very, very fast. And part of that was a signature bank acquisition. Got it. Okay, so regulators can actually do that, keep you from growing at a, at a really fast pace like oh, that? Oh, yeah. They can absolutely say, no, we, this acquisition is too fast. You guys aren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. So for the fourth quarter, the company also recorded a $552 million provision for loan losses, up from $62 million in their third quarter. Let me translate. Mm-hmm. A $552 million provision for loan losses means they have to set aside $552 million for potential losses on loans that may go bad. Right. So, Chris, what were these loans? Yeah. What might go bad? How do you even how do you even decide on that dollar amount? Like, okay, well, we really need to up this and we're gonna we're gonna need to up it by this amount. Okay. And this is where this story gets kind of fucking weird. Oh, okay. Really? okay. Yeah. So uh I happen to have had some pretty interesting conversations with some people who have a lot of insider information, and then it ultimately became public. Okay. And I'll tell you, when I first started hearing about this, I was like, that, that can't be right. This has got to be hyperbole. It's not, it's, not, it's not real. So New York Community Bank had two office buildings in particular that they knew were under stress. Lots of vacancy, not performing very well. And as a result of this, they have to look at this and say, okay, what's our value? They're required by regulation to do that. They got appraisals. Mm -hmm. And the appraisals said, hey, you know what? The values are still supported. These properties are okay. Wow. Now, we don't exactly know what happened next, but we do know the Office of the Comp Controller of the Currency, the OCC, required them to get something known as a BPO, a Broker's Price Opinion. Okay. Now, traditionally speaking, an appraisal by an MAI appraiser, which for the purpose of this conversation is a very experienced appraiser capable of appraising commercial real estate. And who's licensed to do this. Licensed to do this, right? You've got to have a lot of experience in the appraisal world, and it's like an apprenticeship. It's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. You gotta, they, have, they came down with values that supported that these properties don't have big economic losses. OCC said no. And the logic that I'm told internally was that, you know what? The appraisers aren't up to date with the current market. These broker price opinions, which is exactly what it is. Hey, Saeed, you're a real estate broker in, in the commercial space, right? <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think this property's worth? How much do you think you could find it? Could you find an investor to do buy this? Do you think you could sell this for this price? Yeah. And then you give me a, a written statement with, you know, your comps and what you think it might trade in the market. Basically doing what an appraiser would do without right. a license. Yes. But you're seeing the frontline sales, which the appraiser also takes into consideration to do the appraisal. Uh-huh. Well, apparently the BPOs came back with a massive discount to where the appraisal was. So, I mean, what level of integrity are these brokers actually having, right? Well, I... Lots of questions. Mm-hmm. I have never in my career thought a, a BPO was a valuable source of valuing a property. Right. It's like it's like writing a paper in college. I remember back in the day, this was the case. You couldn't cite Wikipedia as a cited source because it wasn't considered valuable. Which is ironic because Wikipedia is so fucking arrogant about what they think are valid sources. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like what the it's fuck? very confusing. It's ass backwards, yeah. right? You can't be an ugly short guy and demand a Brazilian model wife, okay? <laughs> Where'd that go Like, from? you just can't demand that. Yeah. Now, if you get it, you're lucky. It's good for you. But you keep, listen, listen. Right. You're beautiful, baby, but I only date Brazilian supermodels, okay? <laughs> you're right. I know that I'm not attractive. I know that I'm not wealthy. Yeah, but that's my threshold. That's what That's what I need yeah. in order to feel secure. Right. So it's it's like that. So you wouldn't use a, a broker's opinion as a valued source. Traditionally, no. Now, obviously, you can. There are certain circumstances, and I don't know the backstory here, but they went with the BPO, and it caused this massive write down. When I first heard about this, I thought, okay, management fucked up. Mm-hmm. They weren't setting aside reserves every quarter. They weren't communicating to the market effectively. They were hoping the Fed would cut rates, and right around this time, the Fed was like, you know what? We may cut rates. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of predictions that people were hoping. Okay, maybe the Fed will do this in January, but the real date everyone has been circling has been March. Yeah. Well, uh, somebody came and took a big shit on all of that. We'll get to that later on. Your your boy Jerome Powell pretty much said, "You know what? Uh, I got the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use it like Drake did to film himself." Yeah. Remember when I said the whole thing higher for longer? I just realized you don't know what Drake did when I said that, do you? Wait, what? I was thinking about the next set of boy. What'd you say? Oh my God. You don't know? No, I didn't hear it. Repeat what you said. Like Drake filming himself. No, no, no. I don't know this. You don't know. No, don't tell me. Is this is this bad? Oh, no, it's good, actually. But oh, it's okay. bad before you get to the good. Wait, uh, wait, but he's also really strategic. He knows how to get his name out. Maybe this is done intentionally. Oh, Saeed, you're, you're digging yourself a ditch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on. I gotta back up my guy. Come on. Look, look first of all, Arun, are you well are you where? No. Nope. Hell okay. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let me help you. Yeah. Fuck. I wish I was. <laughs> All right. Footage was leaked this morning of Drake filming himself in a mirror masturbating. He's laying down in a bed, filming himself in the mirror while he's touching himself behind the camera. And it's it is Drake masturbating. Now, the first person I saw talking about this happened to be the one minute man, ironically. <laughs> from Barstool Sports. And his response is, hey, you know, uh, bad news, Drake. You, you get this leaked. I'm sorry. Good news is Drake's got every fucking thing in the world. Yeah. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. He's well-known. He's a great rapper. Yes. And he's got a big old dingling. Right. What is, what is he going to say? That he doesn't like, masturbate? He's like, mean, he's like, look, like, I want Drake to have a small penis. I right. really do. You know what's going to happen. It's man. not fair. You know he leaked it because he wants people to... He wants... People to hit him up and be like, you don't need to do that for you. I'll take care of that for you. That's what's going on here. That's why he leaked I it. I don't think he need. I think he probably sent it to a girl who would like. Yes. Yeah. Who just threw away her NDA probably. Who probably was like, man, let's get some money selling this thing. Do we know if it's like a recent video? Because he's got beef. There, apparently he, he, threw, all, some, he you, threw some you, 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 shade. He threw some shade at Rihanna, I heard, uh, the, over the weekend. So maybe maybe this is something he said in Rihanna okay. back in the day. <laughs> why why do you know that? That that well that was the headline that I saw. You think that that actually happened, Rihanna and him? Come on, man. Yeah. What do you mean, come on? Yeah. I know that you think you are Drake. Come on. So man. it's like you co-signing you, but just <laughs> out of morbid curiosity, why do you say it like that? What do you mean? Why do I say it like what? Come on, man. Yeah. How do you turn down Drake? You're Rihanna. But back then she wasn't Rihanna. Rihanna. Now she's she's a different level of Rihanna. Yes, they did. Back in 2009 to 2010, after Rihanna broke up with Chris Brown, she went on several dates with the one and only Drake. Well, that's why they got into that fight at the strip club. And that was when they made the song, What's My Name, to declare that they were dating. Mm, well, there you go. 
I hate to say I told you so. Let's get back on to finances. Hefe's mad again. Hefe's? Me? Or, oh, no, your wife. What? What do you mean? You got your wife mad. No, bro. I'm you, talking you're about Jeff, just, man. Come on, man. Hefe is Jeff. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I said that earlier, and I was like, I went over his head. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you were talking about like your wife, the boss. El Jefe. El Jefe means boss? Jefe means boss. Ah. I don't know. No. We're, we're so he's using Spanish, which I speak, to me. In an, in a, we, I thought we decided last show was Jeff. It's Jeff. My we're going 21 Jeff. Jump Street, right? My name's Jeff. His name, his name, my name Jeff. His name's Jeff. All right, next article, uh, Arun. This is your job, by the way. Jeff's, switch get, articles Jeff's getting a lot of love. He's getting a lot of love, 75%. All right, so yeah. from the Wall Street Journal, New York Community Bank's problems look mostly, I can't read it because Arun's fucking me once again. Okay. That wasn't the article. That's hey, why. Sc- scroll down here a little <laughs> bit. Can you can you go back to the other article for a second? Yeah. Just just for this a second. This is a continuation of the last article. Yes, I know. That's why I wanted you to go to it. You know, honestly, do you listen to the show? You told him go to the next yeah, article. Yeah, this is the next article. This is the first article. Continuation of the first no, article. No, the first article is a different one. This is New York Community Bank's problems look mostly to be its own. The other one was titled The Drop, The Stock Drop. Mm. You don't listen to me either. <laughs> don't do this. Fucking A, man. No one listens don't do to you, this. Bro. Okay, go ahead. Por favor. Here's here's the problem, is you know what? You two drive. Don't two, you guys got to drive separately from now on? Okay, that, that's the rules. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't, he doesn't like pontificating on what we talk about. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on here. But y'all making me look real stupid right now. All right, <laughs> all right. So from the New York, son of a bitch, I'm so fucking. From the Wall Street Journal, New York Community Bank's problems look mostly to be its own share price, as we referenced earlier, dropped off a cliff. Mm. There is a chart, which we will put right here, if Arun does his job later on, showing the KBW Regional Banking Index and New York Community Bank. And it shows you the drag down effect they actually had on the index because they themselves dropped down. Right. So if you could scroll up a little bit so I can get the rest of the text there at the bottom uh, a little more. Perfect. All right. So, New York Community Bank was recently down more than 30%. We heard 38%. Uh, while the KBW NASDAQ Regional Banking Index dropped more than 3%, New York Community Bank is a large commercial real estate lender. Okay, so they downgraded two pieces of commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. They're a large commercial real estate lender. It absorbed some deposits and assets of failed signature bank last year. So, the regulators allowed these people to buy a failed bank with even more Commercial real estate assets. Right. They Yeah, they felt that they were strong enough to be able to support this transaction. And they hired former First Republic bankers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, again, much of what happened, uh, happened at the bank in the fourth quarter was specific to New York Community Bank. Uh, the company reported $185 million in net charge-offs in the fourth quarter. Right? That's actual losses, kids. So, not only did they set aside those reserves for potential losses, you know, over half a billion dollars. Right. But they also charged off, wrote off $185 million in actual losses in the fourth quarter. Mm. Okay? So, uh, and the two properties, uh, co-op property and the office loan we talked about earlier. So, there is a whole lot here that went wrong from an accounting perspective. Mm -hmm. And then, today, the whammy. The whammy. The whammy. Right before we came in, literally a couple hours before this happens. And I know tomorrow is going to be, well, the technical term is a clusterfuck. Okay? So let's go back a little bit, shall we? Let's do it. In March of this year, Silicon Valley Bank was seized by the regulators. It caused a contagion period. It was based on largely behavioral economics and people trading on the stock because they said, hey, this bank has assets that are underwater. You should not hold your deposits there. And the entire market went wild. There was a whole banking deposit run. There was a Fed line that was set up. It was catastrophic. And it was Almost entirely banks on the West Coast, obviously Signature Bank being an East Coast bank, a little different. That being said, right? Okay, we uh, we saw a very very scary time. Right. People are very afraid that scary times coming back. Arun, if you can go to the next article there. And I think something that I want to make sure that we pinpoint when we talk about these banks going through these scary times, a lot of people like to write it off as like, oh, big greedy bank could potentially go under. What's the big deal, right? There's a lot of a lot of jobs at stake. There's a lot of businesses that have business loans with these banks, right? We're walking into a time where credit guidelines are tightening up. Where where are they going to go to if they they've you know spent the last however many years building a relationship mm-hmm. with these banks 
And you can't just jump over to a new bank and be like, hey, guys, um, I, my last bank just went under. Can you guys help me out? Like, it doesn't work like that. So it affects more than just the bank. It affects the communities that they service. Oh, yeah. And as a result, according to Reuters, New York Community Bank Corp. is now being sued by shareholders as stock sinks to 1997 level. So they've had all these bad things happen. Yeah. They're already having a bad week. <laughs> a bad week. And then the next article, Rune, if you don't mind, Moody's, well, they came in and they just dropped the pee-pee right on someone's head. I mean, look, it, it had to have been done, right? I, I, Why are they doing this? I, I don't Why know. are they doing this? Because they... I don't fucking know. It, look, so if you recall back in March, there were some very high-profile people from the uh, venture capital private equity sector which said, hey, you know, get your money out of there, Y Combinator, all those people who were out there saying, get your money out of it, and it caused a contagion run. Yes. But those were individuals, those were community. It was tight-knit mm -hmm. into this fintech community, which is really kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. where, where Silicon Valley Bank, was based. They, they were in that space. That was their, that was their market. Okay. We've all been worried about really commercial real estate since that time. And it's not really been a contagion period anymore. And stocks seem to have recovered for a while. But we talked about it. We said that that could be the catalyst this time. It could be the catalyst, but then the fed line came and everything was okay. And then everybody said the banking system was strong and resilient until the last fed meeting where that statement was removed with no explanation. Well, today, Moody's, according to uh, the Wall Street Journal, cuts New York Community Bank's rating to a junk rating, yeah. extending sharp declines in shares. Downgrade. The downgrade is the latest blow to the bank seeking to shore itself up after acquisitions, property losses are ruined. While we're going off on what I'm going to go off on next, do me a favor and Google uh, largest banks to fail ever. Uh, and I just want to give you some context. When we're done with this here. Right. So this happens after the close of business today. The market closes at one o'clock on the Pacific coast time, right? Mm -hmm. A couple hours later, I'm getting ready to go to the gym. I'm changing into gym attire, thinking to myself, is today going to be buys and tries? Is it going to be shoulder with shoulders, by the way? So this is where oh, you, I can tell. You, thank you very much. Yeah, they look like rocks, right? Wait, so, so just shoulders. How many, how many times are you hit in muscle groups per week? Uh, I've got a weird split right now. I'm doing uh, chest and tries, back and buys, doing shoulders, and then I'm doing legs all in one day. I probably should split up legs, but and then I'll have a day where I'm just doing like hard, like cardio style lifting. Full body, complex, everything. Oh, yeah. so every muscle group technically gets hit twice. I hit them all, baby. I'm there a multiple go. hitter. You know what I mean? Repeat offender. Bang bang, baby. Yeah. Not one bang, yeah. two bangs. Bang bang, bang bang. Got it. Uchiwali. All right, Washington Mutual, the largest bank to ever fail in history, failed at $307 billion. I remember that. I had money there when it went under. First Republic Bank may ring a bell. Mm -hmm. Not 2008 like Washington Mutual. This was May 1st, 2023, $212 billion. Silicon Valley Bank, $209 billion, March 10th, 2023, which kicked off the contagion period. And a little bank by the name of Signature Bank, which New York Community Bank bought the assets of, failed on March 12th of 2023 at $110 billion in size. Yeah. The next largest bank, which failed on July 11th, 2008, was IndyMac Bank, that $31 was, billion. That was the one that really set off the Great Recession, right? Right. And then obviously below them are some other ones. But for the purpose of this conversation, right, this would be the fifth largest bank failure in American history if New York Community Bank were to be driven out of business as a result of this. Yeah, big deal. The fifth. So for a company like Moody's, okay, Moody's is, is a trusted source that basically rates uh, the, type of, the type of debt that they have, right? Yeah. So to rate it junk is literally saying it's like them getting an F on a report card. Well, it wasn't just an F on a report card. So they, they took – so Moody's not only is a data aggregator, but they also do ratings. They're a rating agency. There's a lot of different rating agencies. Moody's is a very well-respected one, right? They cited financial risks and risk management and governance challenges. So right. for, for some history and historical context, I believe their chief risk officer, chief audit officer, mm -hmm. had left the bank in the last several months, yeah. right? And they're like, oh, shit. But this obviously doesn't help, right? right. So for New York Community Bank, which reported this, this surprise quarterly loss and slashed their dividend, what happens? The ratings firm downgraded the bank from a BA2 to a BAA3. Now, that's 
nonsense to most people. They're like, eh, what the fuck is a bye two and bye three? <laughs> yeah. Here's what it means, okay? It means they downgraded them two notches. Okay. It went from an eight to a six. Well, unfortunately, six is fucking junk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. These, are, these are not real numbers. I'm just using them as, right. as, as a way to, to, to... So junk, as you might imagine, is not good. No. 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 It's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's bad. Saeed? Yeah. The only time that junk is good... Is when it's in the trunk? There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you already heard the New York Community Bank was down 38%. What happens? Well, it's actually down 60% from last week. Because they went 15% extra down in after hours trading. God damn. Stock hit its lowest since 1997, tumbling 22% on the day. I know I'm laughing, but this is scary. It's scary hours ahead. Having lost half its value since the loss was reported. Half. They got divorced. Right. So this class action lawsuit that's being brought up by the shareholders, right? What they're trying to cite is that shareholders said the regional bank defrauded them by failing to disclose it would set aside more money for credit losses. Okay? So this is something that we talked about on the show not too long ago, that banks are going to have to do more and more of this. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Their loss provisions. Well, the, so this is that that's the trick people don't understand. Yeah. You can't just unilaterally set aside extra losses. So we went from something called AL. Right, allowable loan loss and lease reserve, big complicated word, but basically there was a an accounting methodology in place that banks had to follow in order to calculate their reserves. Okay, the problem with AAAL was really reactive. Loans went bad. You set aside reserves. They put something new into effect. Okay, uh, a couple of years ago, call it three years ago now, called CECL, C E C L. Current expected credit loss is was supposed to be the acronym, okay. right? They all sound fancy, but basically it was supposed to be a proactive, right? At loan origination or acquisition, life of loan losses, you just set them aside. Which makes way more sense, right? You want to be you want to be proactive when it comes to these things, not reactive. In theory. Yeah. Except here's the problem, kids. Okay. If you're taking a model that shows the historical performance of things like, I don't know, commercial real estate, office space, and you say, hey, look, this is the past performance in the sector. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, typically speaking, we'll throw out a number, 5% of office space goes bad. So you make a $100 million loan in office space. You set aside 5% for potential losses. No matter what happens, even if it doesn't go bad, effectively, that, that's what this model would say you do. Okay. Whereas the old model would say, until it shows signs of weakness, you don't set any reserves because it's a good it's a performing loan. Yeah, but we're, we're stepping into challenging times where you don't know if yeah. 5% is enough. Okay, but here's the problem. Unprecedented moves by the Fed. Yes. To increase rates at an unprecedented cadence. Mm-hmm. You've got them doing things that they knew was going to hurt net it, the, the profitability of these banks. Mm -hmm. You have bank failures. You have the opportunity to stop and likely were stopped by your regulator in acquisition. And you allow them to switch regulators and the other regulator says yes. It's fine, yeah. Right? Like that, you're just shopping for a yes. That's like your kid going, hey, Daddy, can I have some sprinkles? And you go, no. And he goes, all right, cool. cool. Mommy, can I have some sprinkles? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then the kid throws up, and, you, and then you got to take him to the hospital. You know what you want to say. Yeah. Fuck you, son. <laughs> so I told you it's going to happen. This is your own fault. You should know better to listen to mommy. Listen to me. But you can't do that can't because daddy's that. the FDIC in this case. Uh oh. You got to pay insurance. You got to take care of that kid. Mm -hmm. That policy's under you. That's right. So why didn't you step in and say something? Why didn't they, Chris? Huh? Well, there's an argument. They wanted the kid to throw up. Oh, ho, 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 ho. learn your lesson, boy. I, I believe the Fed was and, and, and absolutely is well aware that bank consolidation was an eventuality. Right. They knew that these banks were going to earn less money. They knew that there was stress in the system mm -hmm. and that stress had to be visible. You already heard Jerome Powell come out and say in previous meetings before his little clusterfuck of an hour-long interview, which we'll get into shortly— that you know they're overcorrect and undercorrect. This is part of the overcorrection. Mm -hmm. And what blows me away is the fact that people don't think this does. It rolls down to them. It rolls down to you, man. Yeah, exactly. This is the this is the problem that people don't understand. We got to get them to understand that why why do they need to care about this? Well, okay. So let's just let's just start with some basic concepts. All right. Okay. Less banks means you've got less competition. When has less competition been better for pricing? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Right. So then the argument, though, is this. There's, I think, approximately 4,900 banks out there. 4,500, but yeah. forty Around 4,500 banks out there. 
Um, I think the closest country next to us is 500 banks. Yeah, true. Right? So it's like, all right, maybe there is some room to come down, but but we got to remember these are regional banks. Yeah. So let me let me just throw something out there, okay? We've all been at a large bank at one point in our life almost, right? Yes. You generally don't start at a community bank, stay there unless you're from a smaller town. Mm-hmm. Most of us started a larger bank and go, my service fucking sucks. I'm going to go to a smaller bank because I want better better service. Okay. There's nothing special about banking. None of us do anything special anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what they tell you. There's nothing proprietary. We all do the same shit, just different ways. It comes down to service, yes, right? All it's service. just service. Whose service is better? Right. You're going to get better service at a community bank. Right. That's it. And on top of that, large, big, big box banks have no problem saying, you don't fit in my little checklist of things to do. Right. I get enough business applicants where I can take all the ones that I want that fit my little box. Right. You can fuck off. Yeah, and I don't have to pay you the same amount of interest on that savings account because, you know, we're bigger, we're better. You don't have to worry about us. So Your money's not at risk over here, kids. Yeah, so you won't get paid out the same, right? And what? how does this play out? Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you how this plays out, okay? J.P. Morgan posts the record profits they posted last year. $49 billion. $49 billion. God damn. They said, you know what, J.P.? <laughs> Shit. It's J.P. Sorry, wrong asshole. JD. JD. <laughs> Mr. Diamond. Right. Uh, he's a diamond. <laughs> Mr. Diamond, uh, we're going to give you an extra $36 million. You know right. what? Right. We feel like you deserve it. And uh, he's going to go, oh, thank you. And he's going to take his money. <laughs> they wind up being the most profitable ever. So think about the context of this politically. Mm-hmm. If your largest banks in the country, in your largest bank in the country, are making more money than ever because they can pay less, and take in more money and take on less risk because they've got way more clients because other things are failing. There's no pressure by them to lobby against this politically. Right. So what happens? You have the Fed clearly consolidating, which helps their largest clients. Mm-hmm. It's it's mind-boggling to me that the Fed saw this coming and allowed it to happen. And this was a continuation of a previous problem. This should never have been allowed to happen. Yeah, man. And now what's going to happen in the open the market tomorrow? You're going to see this become all over the news, and it's going to be a big problem, and it's not going to stop here. Yeah, and here and here's the other big problem that ties into all this and why we constantly um, talk about all the topics that we talk about. Okay, the, the Fed right now, they're holding steady. At their last meeting, January, 30, uh, January 30th and 31st, they said, we're not going to cut rates. And guess what? We're probably not going to be cutting rates in March. So let me get out that out the way right now, right? That next meeting is less than like a month and a half away. Yeah, it's not happening. Okay? It's not going to happen. Before before the January meeting, I think it was more than a 50% chance that the Fed was going to cut rates in March, right? Remember, we said on this podcast, that's the one where everyone has circled like, this is when the rate cuts are going to begin, okay? After the meeting, it was down to 40%. As of today, it's now down to a 10% chance that they cut rates, mm-hmm. right? Meaning it's not going to happen. Yep. Okay? So with that not happening, right, what does the Fed look at for when they need to cut rates? They got the jobs report that came out in January, which is bullshit. We called bullshit before it came out, though. I was listening to the last show, mm-hmm. and I was so proud of us for talking shit on the jobs numbers yes. before it came out. Because when they came out, my knee-jerk reaction was, this is bullshit. And I was like, oh, we said that already. Never mind. Absolute bullshit. So I, Raphael Bostic, right? Bostic, Bostic, out of Atlanta. Yeah. Fed president out of Atlanta. He's got a vote, okay? He recently came out and he said, what are, the, what are the Fed's two mandates? We talked about on the show before. Price stability, right? And maximum employment. Price stability, very easy thing to gauge. You look at inflation. Are we hitting 2% or are we not, okay? We're still working our way down to 2%. We got a two-handle. They want to see more evidence for that. Fine. Maximum employment, though, is a thing that is kind of wonky. What does that really mean, maximum employment? There's no set target rate. What has it always been? A healthy target rate is somewhere around 5%. Bostick came out this past week, and he said, you know, since I've started, that figure on the unemployment rate should be somewhere around close to 4.5%. As of the last seven years or so, I think that we're now comfortable in adjusting that down to 4.1%. Okay. So here, and this is why it's important. I know we're getting a little technical here with these numbers, okay? But if the unemployment rate is at 3.7%, okay, and inflation is, is doing fine, and everything is going fine with GDP, 
They're telling you these are the metrics we're looking at to cut rates. I don't give a damn about what's going on in the banking sector. I don't care if you guys lose money in the stock market. They've already come out and said stocks are overvalued. We're going to hold tight because these are the things we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And that's the fucking problem here, yeah. right? Because they're saying we have um, employment's good, man, right? The Jolts report is great. You got all, all of these other, man, it's just really, really frustrating. Not only is it really frustrating, but here, here's a part that bothers me. Just And I, I hope that Logan and I from Housing Wire get the opportunity to debate this. He's been a very he's been very supportive of some of the numbers they're looking at, although he, we agree on a lot of things. Uh, this is one of the things where I, I don't agree with on the job numbers. There was a period of time where middle class meant you can go to work, work your job, Guaranteed to buy a small home. That small home would build up equity. You'd get a bigger home as you started a family. Your job would have some upward progression in salary. And these things were just foregone conclusions that if you did all the right things and you, and you were in the right position, that these things would come to you and life would be comfortable. Right. The system will take care of you. The system worked. Right. And then it didn't work. No. And then spouses had to get jobs. And then two people had to work. You know what? Oh my God, at the time, that was such a huge paradigm shifting thing. Right. My wife's got to work because we need more money to pay the bills and it's so difficult. And, and then it became more women in the workplace and more women graduating college. And I'm all for women and I support the shit out of that. But mm. why the fuck aren't we moving on to the next paradigm shift and accepting it to be reality that one person having one job anymore is not fucking enough? It's not enough, man. Yeah. So many of these people have two jobs. It would not surprise me that way more people have two jobs than those numbers account for. Right. Like it a husband with two jobs and a wife with one. Look. Now you got three jobs for every two people. And of course the numbers are fucked. And look, I'm not saying that... I, I'm all for everyone everyone getting a job, everyone having a career, okay? But for for a traditional family, it's hard these days. We can't even we can't even discuss the idea of having a third kid because of the fact we both need to work, right? Yeah. And because you, a traditional family used to have someone at home. I'm not saying there's gender roles. I'm not saying that somebody the wife needs to stay home if the wife wants to wants to work and the husband stays home. Fine, so be it, right? But you're telling me it's not it's not above like the system. Let's put a tinfoil hat on for a second. I keep mine on. Okay, now. I don't have to take it off. It's not above the system to spin the propaganda to think like women. You should you should be developing your own career too. Well, who does that help ultimately? It ultimately helps the system to continue working the way that it was because things started to get so out of reach, right? So now you got dual income households and everything still stays fine. Status quo, you can still work towards your dreams and everyone can own a home and so on you and can't so forth. Anymore. But now you can anymore. No. No. Yeah, man. And wage inflation hasn't kept up. It's it's a fucked up problem. And I don't know why we're ignoring that there's been another paradigm shift where where clearly during the pandemic, you saw people get two jobs, mm -hmm. you saw people get stimulus. And we're in the middle of this hustle culture that's fucking prevalent everywhere. Right. We're a sexualized, distracted society now. Why don't we think that people will have multiple jobs? And why don't we reframe how we look at the jobs numbers? Instead, we're relying on this. And the feds are leaning way, too, to your point, way too heavy into this shit going, you know what, guys? Not yet. Right. Not yet. And mm -hmm. if you can go to the next article while well, I'm on my little tirade here because it, it dovetails in. I'm going to fucking segue myself, goddammit. Right. Powell... This is a flagrant abuse of power in my mind where this guy insists the Fed will move carefully on rate cuts with probability, probably fewer than market uh, fewer than the market expects. This is according to CNBC. Right. Okay. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell vowed in a 60 minutes interview, not the show 60 minutes, not an hour long, that aired on Sunday, this past Sunday, that the central bank will proceed carefully with interest rate cuts. But it was more than that. This was a fucking PR campaign. Right. This was an absolute flagrant abuse of his power. He's always said, oh, you know what? Hey, I want to be the most vocal and communicative <laughs> secretary that the FOMC ever had. Yeah, look. I, I want to be, I want to communicate I, to you. I put myself out there, right? I'm talking, okay. to, I'm talking to the people more. I'm telling you, no, bitch, you enjoy the spotlight, okay? That's what you're doing right <laughs> He's now. He's looking for a book deal. Yeah, you, you're trying to write that check. Right. We see it. I know. This is so wild to me. Right. And then here's the, here's the problem. It wasn't just this. Okay. So the, for those of you listening, you go, Chris Weiss would piss off. Okay. The Fed has a notorious history of telling you they're going to do things and then something happened and then doing it differently. Right. Especially 
when it comes to their prediction of when rate cuts happen. Right. They have got a bad track track record of actually following through with what they say they're going to do when it comes to rate cuts. And that's just not my opinion. That's right. not speculation. That's just facts. Right. Bars. No cap. All the facts. And all the bars. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so what happens? He does this shit. Which when I saw this, I was like, I'm not fucking watching. I'm not going to fuck. I'm, I refused. Yeah, yeah. But then he has every single one of the Fed presidents. There was like five of them lined up for interviews the week afterward, all yeah. reiterating the shit that he was saying. The same shit. You were literally trying to convince the market. This is what he's basically trying to do. All right, guys, here we go. Kashgari, go get us some tea. We're going to talk amongst the adults, okay? <laughs> Here's what I want you to do, okay? We're all going to go out, and we're going to tell these fuckers who are betting. Because prior to this... The rate cut prediction in March was heavy. It was heavy. So just to recap for everybody, they had predicted 175 basis point cuts by the end of this year. Okay, what what does that mean? That looks like what uh, seven rate cuts if you're if you're thinking 25 basis points at a time. Okay, mind you, there's only eight meetings a year. Yeah. Okay. He's like, no, 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 no. that's not happening, right? Mm -hmm. And even the Fed's predictions themselves think that there's only going to be three rate cuts this year. Yeah. Right. So him saying right here. Powell warned that monetary policy tightening would cause, quote-unquote, some pain. However, it really hasn't happened yet. That's, bro, that's such an abuse that he knows well enough to know that there are lag effects at play here. Odun, can you just, I know, Chris, I want you to finish your point too, but go on to the next article. Credit card delinquencies surged in 2023. What do you mean it really hasn't happened yet? You mean to finish my pump, but you want the next article? I'm just saying. God damn, but, that but was that, stone cold, bro. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. I, I couldn't bake that. I couldn't bake that for later. <laughs> I know we weren't going to get into this. I'm just saying. Like, but what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean it hasn't happened yet? Okay, the delinquencies are up. People are paying record high minimum payment levels. The effects are going to come later when people can no longer ever afford to be able to buy a home, dude. Dude. Credit card, which are credit card debt, which already had its historical high of one point zero eight trillion, yes, is now up to one point one three trillion dollars. Now I know that sounds like oh, Chris went up zero point zero five. These are billions of dollars, okay, of people who not, don't know how to manage their debts. It's up way high, and everyone's like, you know what? It's okay. I am literally seeing bankruptcy filings increase at a cadence that's that's been unimaginable to me in recent years. Yeah. Like, I'm getting filings coming in every single day, so I see all these things. But I'm, they're all coming in at a rapid cadence, and none of them are material in my mind, but just the fact that they're picking up is a scary thing to me because, you know what, you never know when when this will flip. And if you're the Fed mm. and you're trying to convince the market as Jerome Powell, hey, back off, back off, guys, stop being so optimistic, and then you have your you know, your FOMC panel go out, except for Kashkari, who's drawing with cranes in the back. Mm, mm. <laughs> but everybody else go out, right? And you have them convince the market and reiterate your your stance. You are now trying to manipulate the market's behavior and expectations. Right. You could say, I'm just trying to level set expectations. The market's not listening to me, so I'm just trying to correct it. Okay. You cannot manipulate the fucking market. Okay. Right. You send a message of what your intent is. Whether they believe you or not, it's not on you to convince them to believe you. Right. And this, to my mind, is, is frankly, behavioral economics uh, rolling out. This is uh, from October, though, dude. Yeah, this is September. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up even higher than this now, but Odun pulled up something from uh, uscourts.gov. Bankruptcy filings rise 13%. This was published in October of 2023. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I know this is definitely up. I don't know, man. JP from the hood is he's tap dancing a little bit. Well, I, and look, I, I don't like the tack that, that, that he's taken here. And I certainly don't like that. This just plays so badly. And so I can already tell when we get in the office tomorrow, that this is going to be all over the news. It's going to be something that people are watching. There's going to be a lot of focus on the bank sector, particularly right. the KBW regional index. And and there, there there's just going to be a fear of a contagion run. This kind of stuff that happened with uh, the New York Bank Corp doesn't just happen overnight. By the way, I'm telling you right now, Jerome Powell was privy to this. Oh, he knew. Okay, so for him to come out on fucking sixty minutes and say that you know we really haven't seen the pain yet. Sixty minutes. Uh, they bro, took out. The, what are they you? They took out sound and resilient and strong banking. In they took that out of the last FOMC conference. You want to know why? Yeah. Someone's like, hey, Jerome, you know that bank's fucking up on the East Coast. <laughs> Yeah, we should probably not put that because then we gonna look like we look bad. So we just, you know, we cut that shit out. They're gonna be like, oh, that's why they did that. You know, we we yeah, yeah. we saw yeah, we knew we knew it wasn't. Yeah. Call us Nostradamus. Yeah, <laughs> we saw exactly. the future. Yeah, and that's something that something you, you routinely see analysts do. 
like they'll they'll take the the Fed's entire speech, right? And then they'll compare it to the previous There's a red one. line from the previous one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll literally compare it verbatim and they all they do is sometimes change out the words. This time they took out the entire section on banks, right? They're being strong and resilient. Yeah, being yeah. strong yeah. and resilient. Yeah. Unreal. It was, it, was, it was wild. Not me. even not even saying, you know, it's there's we're starting to see some softening or some weakening. No, no, no. Just removed yeah. it. And and I'm and here's the truth, okay? Is the cold hearted real truth. Mm. All banks have assets that are underwater. Treasuries, their their loans, all banks. Yeah. The only difference is, do you have to sell those assets to increase your capital? Right. Right. Can you sell those assets to increase capital? A lot of them underwater. You have to take a capital hit to do that. Do you need to sell those assets to pay deposits? I mean, there's there's also the reasons why you would need to do it. If you don't have to do those things, great. Right. But are those assets, those loans that you made, going to pay as agreed? Right. In the case of New York Community Bank, not so much. The problem, yeah. See that that's so. There's a problem there too. If they do have to sell assets, right, um, to raise some capital, that doesn't necessarily mean that there should be a run on deposits either, though. Well, you can, first of all, there's there, there are two separate things. So let me be clear here. All right, if I make a loan, and we talked about this many times on the show, for ten million dollars, right, at five percent, but rates go up to seven percent. That $10 million loan is worth less than $10 million on the market to sell it because I can go get a loan for $10 million paying 7% now right. if I was buying an asset. But so not a problem if you're not trying to sell it. Not a problem if you're not trying to sell it, but if you're trying to sell it yes. now, I'm going to sell it for less than $10 million. So I have, to have the, actually, I have to have the capital to make up that loss yes. that I can spare. If I don't have that capital to spare as a financial institution, right. then selling that is just going to hurt me more. Right. Ultimately, the reason why banks have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for Jerome Powell to come out and say, you know, we're probably done raising rates, which that is the one thing that he did he did touch on at his at the last FOMC meeting, at uh, the post-game press conference. He did say, I, I think we're, we're likely done, right? Um, he didn't even come out definitively and say that we are done, but he did say that. Yes, he did, and he did. But we all knew that. We all, all, yeah, everybody I, knew that. You everyone's yeah. talking about cuts anyways, Yeah. right? You you kind of everybody knew that everybody was banking on you know hey where are the cuts going to happen what's mm -hmm. the what's the probabilities there right now I think we're in a bit of a tailspin I am very very worried I do have hope that the emotional status of people has been burnt when the contagion period happened everybody was freaking out about banks yes and I think most people realized that that worrying was for nothing mm -hmm. frankly everybody should have realized nobody lost any money at Silicon Valley Bank they all had access to money. Nobody lost any money at First Public Bank. Chase stepped in. Everybody was okay. Mm -hmm. Signature Bank, they had access to their money. Right. The FDIC did their job. They right. did what they're supposed to do. You had access to your money. Your fears were unwarranted because nobody lost money. Yes. At least that, that I'm aware of. There could have been some nuance there that I'm not aware of. But I'm, from what I understand, nobody lost money. Everybody was made whole. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that, between it being so close in proximity to the March contagion period, people are going, you know what? This is some scary shit. Let's trade stocks down a little bit because we're going to try to make some money in the shorts. But let's not pull deposits out because we're worried about the world. Yes. And I'm hoping that's what happens and that this goes quietly into the night. But my other fear is there's other banks out there that have these problems. A hundred percent. And that is, that is the fear, right? Is that, that New York Bank Corp isn't the only bank that had some office buildings that are way below value right now. No, right. not not at all. And and if we're going to start pushing institutions to get away from the appraisal, the standard, yeah. and go like, hey, call your broker friend, get a value. Oh, he says lower. We go, that, that's bad. We go, we cut this down. Right. Like that. That's so wild to me. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand why they were forced to do any of the things they were doing. There's clearly a backstory there. There's clearly some issues going on that I'm sure the OCC or somebody will ultimately enlighten society on mm -hmm. that necessitated this, whether it was a management decision that was bad or not. Who knows? But for right now, I am very, very confused about how and why this happened. And certainly, why did you let them buy those assets, dude? Like, it, who did the analysis and said, you know what? This bank is well positioned to buy this institution. Did, did, did nobody look at the uh, this, like the assets? Like, 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 what, like, you, had, like you had to have known they're going to have to set aside an absorbent amount of money as a loss provision. Well, and the other thing, too, is, and I would say, I don't know. I haven't looked at their balance sheet, their income statement. I haven't looked at all the details. It, you never want to surprise the market with something like this. That's bad. 
Yeah. Like, so there, there is some management fault here. That's 100%. The $200 right? million dollar surprise loss in the fourth quarter? Uh, is, yeah, whatever that yeah. was, yeah. There, there's some management fault here, for sure. Can they survive this financially? Probably. But will their stock price drop? Will people have a run on the deposits that will ultimately kill them? I don't know. And that's the that's the that's wild to me that that, that this bank run mm -hmm. may have been caused by the regulators by allowing them to to purchase and get a little too greedy. Well, and look, okay, if they were forced to do this, tell people why mm -hmm. clearly why, and then come out as a regulator or as somebody who can speak on this from an educated standpoint and say, we forced them to do it, but they're going to be okay because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Instead, you let the market kind of read into it and fucking trade them down 38% in a single fucking day, 60% over the course of the last week. Like, at what point does someone say, hey, guys, like, you're all worried about shit? Right. This bank is not on, it's a $100 billion bank. Yeah. They got the money, they're going to be okay. I don't know what to be true, but I'm say something, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, if the bank says it, it doesn't provide any any comfort. Mm -hmm. Question for you guys. Said, you're an underwriter. Chris used to be an underwriter. When you, um, why do you have to wave your hands like that? <laughs> I mean, used to be an underwriter is questionable. <laughs> Said, you're young. Chris, you're old. Uh, <laughs> you moved up the <laughs> chain. You know, that's Chris, what he meant, you right? Up you, the you, chain. you heard him say it? You, you're six foot closer to the ground, brother. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, you have to go out and look at properties from time to time, right? To make sure that the loan's still good and I right? mean, we've been take we've been taking on that role as it relates to making sure that the property's still being well maintained and making sure during this time. Yeah. So with these large banks, like do they go out like does someone go out there and take a look at them? I know you're talking about uh regulators. They have a, they have a third party service that they usually um how often do they do this? Oh, yeah, about that, Saeed. Um, so typically speaking, mm -hmm. from an asset quality review perspective, so keep in mind a bank has made a loan. One of the things that got very loose prior to the Great Recession is that banks were like, okay, we originated this loan. It's been it's really strong. It's paying as agreed. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't re-underwrite on an annual basis, even though no. they had the ability to do so in the contract. But what about the asset quality review? The asset quality review, that part of it, they wouldn't do on an annual basis. Oh, okay. They would be behind on it. Nobody really tracked it because if you made a loan fifty percent LTV and they paid, like, what do you care? They're paying, right? Okay. So what, what Chris is talking about right there is that as of right now, you know, banks have a division where after you make a loan to someone that, that owns, let's say, an apartment building, every year they have to send you their financials so you can relook at the numbers to make sure that it's still covering their debts. So, for example, in this situation. Um, the New York Community Bank Corp having those two office buildings you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Who's checking that out? Well, so, they got an appraisal. So no, number one, uh, let, let's be clear about a couple of things. So there are higher requirements to do so in a more documented uh, format if you're securitizing these assets on the Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Because people have invested in these at like a security or stock, they are, they are reviewed under a little bit more scrutiny. So for example, we do the stuff that we do in large part because, number one, we want to know our clients and there's a relationship thing there. There's also a whole another level of scrutiny that goes out to a third-party vendor who does it from a third-party neutral perspective because the street wants to make sure those assets are performing because they're getting dividend payments, getting interest, and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. But for the purpose of this conversation, when a loan goes bad and they know that it's going bad, it triggers extra scrutiny by the bank. So getting updated financials, rent rolls, and operating statements – in this case, they were troubled to the point they were required to get an appraisal under regulatory like, definitions. Right. Right. So there's a trigger when you're worried about the, this property, performance of it, you go get an appraisal. So they did that. Right. The appraisal came back and said, hey, the value is there. And as part of an appraisal process, they're going to get the operating statements, the rent roll, and make those decisions. Right. That's why this whole broker's opinion of value thing is so wild to me. It is wild to me. But if for the for the I think you mentioned that for the appraisal to come back in and it not come down in value too much, that's a little concerning. Yeah, because no, that's I not there's, there's there, I mean, what we're seeing, there's no way that it can't be coming down more, right? With, well, the, I, with the vacancies, who's going to fill those vacancies, bro? I, I don't know. OnlyFans, <laughs> <laughs> Wiki Feet. My wife told me that we do red light therapy at night. My wife was literally like, you know, you got great feet, and at this point, I'm convinced. I have got like an undisclosed talent. Like I think Arun, how do you, let me just, hypothetically speaking, if I were to pay you to suck on my toes, oh, <laughs> hypothetically, speaking, hypothetically speaking, we would make a lot of money off of it. 
Like, what would be your threshold for dollars to make that happen? Free, baby. Free. <laughs> He's always got the perfect response. All you had to say was toe jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll pay you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Damn. Oh, Jeff, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, man, we know that the vacancies are there, and we cited even in our own local markets, properties are down somewhere around 60% for some of these office buildings. Yeah, so no. how is it not going to come down at all in wherever? I don't know where yeah. those office buildings were. I'm, I'm assuming New York. There, there, there's clearly a backstory there we are not privy to, 100%. Yeah. I, there's a lot that probably happened. but And that's what probably triggered the regulators that they were like, there's no way. There's no way that these values haven't come down. Well, I want to, were they part of the legacy portfolio? Were they acquired from Silicon Valley Bank? Like, right. You know, who was making the decisions? Did, so if they acquired from Silicon Valley Bank, did they rely on a president that Silicon Valley Bank had? I mean, there's a whole history that I want to know. And it's like, why wasn't that history fully disclosed to the market in detail? Yeah. Like, walk me through it so you guys don't suffer like this. I'm, I'm sure someone's like, shit, Kevin, we're down 60% today. How was your day? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, they're 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 freaking out. Their and, employees are freaking out. For the for the listeners out there that are thinking about okay, big office building, so the bank the bank's losing money on this. That's a big deal. We've actually had several comments that really rubbed me off the wrong way when they said this. Someone rubbed you off the wrong way. Yeah, they didn't do it the right way. They did it the wrong way. Huh. Right, <laughs> so, fucking guy. It was your words. <laughs> Just, so I didn't say, get rubbed oh, off. Big bank. Did you get rubbed off? Not the wrong way. <laughs> that, oh, you got done the right way. Oh, wow. Hey. Those are your as, comments. As <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, geez. This is what rubbed me off the wrong way about that. I can't even fucking finish my sentence. God damn it. it. it by the way, it's rubbed me the wrong way, you fucking dick. No, rubbed me off the wrong no, way. No, it's not a thing. Doing? It's a thing. No, it's not a thing. It's trying to be ethnic. Me, this is what rubbed me the I wrong like way. I like tacos. So yeah. Rub me off. Is that you can't just look at it as like, oh, big bank lost money on an asset, right? It's, that's not what it is, dude. Like Chris said, if these are, you know, securitized and put on Wall Street, there are pension funds tied to these buildings. They have a teacher pension fund tied to some of these buildings that are now suffering losses. What's going to happen to those pension funds? Well, that wouldn't be the case because they wouldn't be held in their portfolio, but... For this one, for this one, but but to think, but to not there, worry there about are securitized assets. But my yeah. point is, yeah, to my point is these office buildings that are going down, mm -hmm. right? It's like no, you have to care about what's going on in the space because it doesn't just affect you know the investor or the owner of the building. Right? So a great example, we told those of you who listen to the show, the the legacy listeners, the OGs, the homies. Mm -hmm. Uh, we told you guys way back in late 2022 and early 2023, there would be a rolling recessionary economy that the finance and lending sector was going to be the kind of the kick kickoff point mm -hmm. that it was going to roll into other sectors. And that as much as we thought it'd be like them, this big in your face thing, it was going to slowly wind its way through different industries. And we're seeing that now fucking UPS and Xerox and Spotify and everybody's laying off now. Like snap. It, it's snap 10% baby. Damn. Man, you're still a Snap guy, huh? No, I don't have a Snapchat account. Mm. Yeah, I, it was just another thing. To, I've already got like twelve. You know, like I don't even know there's social media. Before. I remember being heavy into it when it first came out. I really enjoyed it. Snapchat? Yeah. Yeah, you strike me as a disappearing twenty four hours guy. <laughs> Why? I'm just I, if you're reading into that, and it's rubbing you off the wrong way. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing this? To me? Wow, you did it to you. We're not getting into this. We're, uh, we're already at an hour. What are you talking about, dude? We got put. No, no, the no. listeners want more. No, we're at an hour, man. This is what we said. The consumption numbers are there, dude. All right. Well, I've been saving a story to the end. Okay. I'll I couldn't see. hit you guys with this at the beginning of the night because if I did it at the beginning of the night, I'd be hearing it all night long, like rubbing you off. Okay. But real quick, for the listeners that are, enjoy story time on this podcast, for our, for our podcast listeners, whether that's on Apple or Spotify, please head over and leave us an honest five-star review. You know, um, it's been kind of dry. I've been waiting for a good one. So- Sai has been rubbed off the wrong way. It's dry, and he's waiting for a good one. These are your words. My words. You can't just let it go. It's so, supposed to be just between you and I. How dry has it been? I was not rubbing him off. <laughs> You're dry. supposed to be rubbing me off the wrong way, the right way. So leave us an honest five-star review. And for our YouTube viewers, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, hit that like button. Ring that notification bell. Do all the moist, goody-good sassafras. Yeah. Yeah, the moisten it this time. Yeah, I did it, yeah. Okay. Get in the story time. So uh Hugo and I walk across the street. Damn, you named him too. Yeah. I mean, he didn't rub anybody off. Um, <laughs> so we walk across the street to get uh nitro cold brew. 
It's like three o'clock and it's finally stopped raining. Mm. So we walk across the street and uh, we're in there getting coffee and uh, he gets his coffee and I'm sitting down. Some guy walks up to me. He goes, uh, Chris, right? And I go, uh, yeah. And he goes, oh, you, you don't know me. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. He's like, I listen to the show. I'm a fan. Wow. Matthew, Matt. Uh, and he's like, huh? And I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just a big fan. You're a lot bigger than I thought you would be. I make you look small. Yes. I make you look small. Don't do that. Don't flex. <laughs> don't, don't do that. How small do I make you look, Chris? I didn't know how to take it. <laughs> it was a little insulting or what it, was it? It was, uh, he was like, huh? Like bigger in what sense? He did not define. You should have made him clarify. <laughs> he said, you really running things over there? Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, you know, I'm afraid of you? <laughs> oh, shit. It was very awkward. Yeah. What's up, Matthew? Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. He, uh, he works in multifamily. Oh, okay. Yeah, across the street from us. Nice. And uh, apparently judges people in their aesthetic. <laughs> Good job, Matthew. Yeah. So I came in with hurt feelings. And then uh, one of the first things you guys said to me was I looked like I had boobies. That's not, that's not one of the first things. No, it was the second thing, maybe. Yeah, second yeah. thing. And then you guys said that my uh, hair looked... Um... We didn't say... Oh, no, you said... You asked me if I was going to have a second hair transplant. Yeah, because everyone that I know that's gotten a hair transplant has gotten two. No, it's fine. I don't have any feelings that are hurt. And then, to, to cap it all off, you said, you know, I think... This is a rune. I think both Saeed and I have bigger biceps than you, Chris. <laughs> he did come out and say that. He, he just knows that you've been putting in a lot of effort, so... So, when... When people hear the show and they're like, oh, Chris is such a bully. No. I am the victim. Mm. I am the victim. You two drive here together. That's you plot and scheme. That's what you're going with, huh? You make me sound like I'm reading challenged by moving things around and pivoting. Chris, you can read? Not well, but okay. I can read. Okay. <laughs> and um, and then and then you guys take shots at me that hurt my feelings. Well deserved, though. Why? Come on, man. You know why. I don't know why. The thing. What thing? The thing for the guy that you did. I did not rub him off the wrong yes, way. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, dude, you got anything? Nope. That was a little grovery. Uh, he He's not wow. been very communicative. You got, I got to be honest. You have not been chiming in at the, the cadence you had been before. No, that was a good question. He brought up a good question. No, that one, it was a good question. I but I'm like, just saying, like, normally before when we had two-show cadence, he would chime in, baby. He but was I, th I feel like today we had we came with a lot of energy, and he was just letting us go a little bit. You didn't want to. You're asking a lot of good questions too, say like getting the breakdowns. What does that mean? What does that mean? So, oh, thank I mean, you, fuck you and your passive aggressive insulting me. <laughs> you know, Chris bitch. needs to help sometimes. Can I get a comment, please? <laughs> oh, I saw this. We need to do this. We need to do this. I saw a video. It was uh, of the Warriors. It was from back in the day, Odun. I don't know if you've seen this, but it was Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala in there, and it was um, a compliment uh, competition. Where you got to make the other person laugh by giving them a compliment. We should do that for one another. I give you a compliment. You give me a compliment. Let's see if you can keep a straight face. Go for it. No, I'm not starting this. Why not? No, I got to prepare for this mentally. I'm going to lose this right now. You have great teeth. I do have great teeth. Thank you for noticing. You have a burning desire to please people. That is wildly inaccurate. <laughs> That's, no? Yeah. No, you don't like to I please, don't. huh? I literally say that I'm borderline autistic or Asperger's or something because I don't really care about pleasing people. Uh, you don't like to please anybody. No, I like to please some people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have a fantastic set of eyebrows. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's funny because it's not true. <laughs> Game over. Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye.